Hello, and welcome to the Dangerous Creatives Podcast. We're ready to dive into the deep end of running a creative business, the joys, the sorrows, and the shit no one wants to talk about. I'm your host, Kristen Sweeting, a traveling wedding photographer and coach for creative business owners who scaled two businesses while single parenting, so I know it doesn't always go as planned. Hold on to your seats as we explore what wholeness looks like within your creative journey and how growth doesn't always come in the ways we expect. Well, hey, and welcome back to the Dangerous Creatives Podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Sweeting, and I am so excited to have the lovely Krista Marie Photography here on the podcast today. We're going to talk about burnout. We're going to talk about client experience and all of the different things that you've learned on your photography journey. But I'd love for you to introduce yourself a little bit more, where you're based, what kind of photography you do, and maybe a little bit of your backstory of how you got to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. So yeah, I currently live in Northern California with my fiance and my two dogs. I actually started my business though back in Florida when I was still in college. So way back in the day, I think it was like 2011, 2012. And eventually in 2014, ended up moving to California, kind of rebuilt everything, built a new client base, you know, kind of the market switching from Florida to California was like a really big difference for me. And because I started in college, I, you know, I didn't really quite know how to build a business. I was kind of just like figuring out along the way. And I f- worked full time while growing my business for quite a while, especially after moving to California. It's pretty expensive. I was starting over. So continued to build it on the side. And then finally in 2019, I left my corporate job, took my business full time. It was actually a hard decision for me. I know some people kind of have the story of like, oh, I can't wait to be full time. And I think I had that sentiment when I lived in Florida, but then when I moved, I actually really loved, I love my company. I love my team. I love my job. But I also was like, you get to that point where you're like, I got to pick one and it's going to be my business. So I finally took my business full time. And since then, since 2019, I've also branched out into launched a podcast. I started doing like coaching for other business owners and things like that. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Amazing. I love that. Well, I'm excited to talk more about your move because that's something that we get that question a lot of like, how do you rebuild in a new market can be so overwhelming. And yeah. It's very daunting. Yeah. <laughs> well, you talk a lot about overwhelm and burnout on your podcast and in your coaching, is that something that you experienced as a business owner? What kind of made you passionate about that topic? Yeah, I think for me, and I don't know, I think it's kind of a quality of go-getter business owners that we want to do everything we want to do it all right now. And I think because I also came from having worked full-time for so long while also building my business, I kind of just got into the the hustle mode of like, all right, I'm going to have my job during the day. I'm going to come home and work on my business. And it was just constant go, go, go. And totally that kind of weirdly was a place that I felt comfortable. Like I felt comfortable. <laughs> the The harder things for me, the struggle for me sometimes is actually balancing like the personal priorities. Like sometimes I have a really hard time with that. Like I'm, I'm fine with like overworking myself and like kind of all the time, like burning the candle at both ends as they say, but as we all know and have experienced, I'm sure that you can only do that for so long. So I felt that when I transitioned from being full-time and growing my business to just having my business full-time, I still was kind of in that mode of like, I need to be working all the time. Like I can't turn my brain off. Like I have to constantly be go, go, go. And so over the last couple of years, 
you know, when you work full time, you can blame it on your job. Like for a lot of time I was like, oh, I'm burnt out. Oh, work is stressful. Like I have too much on my plate. They're giving me too much. But when it's just me, I'm like, oh, my boss, (laughs) AKA me needs to like give myself a break. (laughs) Like I need to not be so hard on myself and like create these crazy deadlines. So yeah, I've definitely, I feel like because of that over the last couple of years, I've kind of gone through these seasons of like, I really only knew this like roller coaster of like, either I'm like chilling, I'm good, you know, catch me laying outside in the summer or like, I'm just up until 2am working on stuff. So it was like, I really only knew that cycle for a really long time. I'm trying to get better at it. I feel like no matter what, we'll always kind of have those seasons, but I'm a lot more aware of it now and like trying to proactively balance that a bit better. Yes, I feel you. I remember the long nights on the couch after my day job, like working on my website and editing. And when you transition to having more free time, it's almost more stressful for a second because mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I should be feeling this. I should be should be doing something. There's always something to do. So definitely exactly. relate. Well, what are some of the tools that you have found or that you've used to help your clients ditch some of that overwhelm? And have you found that it ends up being better for your clients? Like, is it better for your clients when you implement some of these systems that have helped you with your personal life? Yeah, definitely. I think that one of the biggest things I think with burnout is a lot of it. I know we, you know, everybody talks about mindset, but it truly does. Like we have to eliminate the guilt, that feeling where we're like, I need to constantly be working. Like we are sometimes our number one cause of this. And we're the number one cause of our guilt. We're the number one cause of like, I should be further along. I should be better at this. And so I honestly think a lot of burnout, once you're kind of in it, you're in it. And there's ways that we can like help get you out of it, which I can talk through. But I think one of the best ways to avoid it is to get really aware of yourself. That's sometimes the harder work. That's a little bit harder to do. But I think when we can get really honest with ourselves of like, am I feeling guilty because I'm taking the night off and like having a date night with my partner? Am I feeling super behind? And like, do I look at other people and say, oh, I need to keep working harder because I need to get to where they are. If we're finding ourselves having those thoughts, it's like, that's the first trigger that's, Ooh, <laughs> I need to like take a step back and slow down a little bit. So I feel like a lot of it is kind of a proactive work to at least recognize it before we kind of get into that cycle. Yeah. I know mindset's become kind of a buzzword, but I also am am like, it is the foundation of everything. When I get really stressed out or even when my business stops making money, it all ties back to mindset. So I think you're spot on when you say like a lot of it starts with us and our thought process. What does that look like for you? Because I've heard from some photographers that, you know, it's the summer right now and people are going Mm -hmm. on vacation and should I feel guilty that my client's galleries aren't done yet and I'm going yeah. on vacation? Can I not post about my vacation? Different things yeah. like that. Like, what does it look like for you? And what are, what are some of the ways that you kind of deal with that situation? One thing that I've found, and this is kind of touching on client experience, is that a lot of times when we have, whether it's like a fear, because I've heard that too. Well, how clear were you one about the timeline around when things were going to get delivered? Because I've talked to some photographers who they want to try so hard to make the person happy before they even like hire them or book with them that they're like, oh, you know, two week turnaround time, three week turnaround time. And I'm like, well, is that practical? Like, can you actually do that? You know, is that going to be something that you can maintain? Because 
if it is a two-week turnaround, you might feel really guilty doing something else, like right? But I think also it's like being really just clear with your clients. Let's say, for example, you shot a wedding and it's like, okay, getting out that sneak peek, you know, three days after, like sending check-in emails. Like if you know they're going on a honeymoon, like enjoy your honeymoon. Like we a lot of times think of ourselves, which is normal as people. Like we're always kind of thinking of ourselves. But I think when we can turn that fear and kind of flip it into like, how can I go on vacation, enjoy myself, and also still use this time as like, how can I continue to like pour into my clients so that they don't feel like I'm just over here living my best life and like totally forgot about them while still kind of like managing both. So I think it's a little bit of setting really clear expectations and also just kind of flipping that script of like, okay, how can I serve myself and also still continue to kind of serve them even in small, tiny little ways? Yeah, totally. I take a lot of cues from different times when I hire people. So like right now we're having some construction done and I always talk about, I like to notice things and I like to notice things and like, you know, talk about it with coaching clients. I'm like, okay, they told me a certain turnaround. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be that turnaround anymore as construction right now, you know, which, you know, I think when you can set the expectation of like, give the longer turnaround than you think. Yep. That helps. But also I so appreciate when he just emails me and says, mm-hmm. Hey, things are taking longer. Here's an update. I'm Here's like, an update. Here's how it's going. Exactly. Yeah. What most people want is communication and to feel mm-hmm. that safety and security, right. Of like mm-hmm. someone didn't just abandon me and take my money. Right. <laughs> exactly. Like I haven't heard from them, but they're living their best life. So hopefully they still have my photos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you're spot on of those, the client experience, the emails, the really, really clear turnaround. What's your turnaround time? Do you have one that you really recommend for people? Yeah. I mean, so I realistically, I tell people it's going to be four to six weeks. I also, it's funny though, cause I was talking with one of my clients and I never have anyone ask, like, I never have to be overly explicit. I don't even, I don't even think my contract to be quite honest with you. I don't even think I have like dates in there because just legally I wanted to, you know, you're supposed to prepare for worst case scenario. So it's like, you know, it is what it is. And I never really have people ask me, but typically my turnaround time is, you know, sneak peeks with whatever it is. It's usually for a wedding. It's like three days within three days, they'll get the sneak peek um, with like 50 photos. And then the full gallery, I like by four weeks is my usual turnaround time. Like sometimes like last summer, I remember was the first time I think it was like five weeks and I was like, but it's like, usually like my max is like six weeks. Like that's the, I don't ever want to go past that, but usually it's like four weeks is the like average time. Yeah. I have been a film shooter for most of my career. And so I had to have like longer turnaround times. And that was always takes, so hard for yeah. me. So mine are like seven to nine weeks. Yeah. But I think sending the sneak peek and being like, you're going to get a big preview totally. a week after your wedding. And then it's going to be seven to nine weeks. So I found that even just sending that text right after the wedding. And exactly. Being like, That's the biggest thing. Well, yeah. Cause I mean, especially during busy film times, I mean, it can take 12 days just to at least you have to ship your film out then they have to process it. It's like, it's a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. The more people you have in your delivery system, you know, like the more kind of things you're trying to do, the more chances you have for things to get pushed back. So having that like longer turnaround hold space for all of the, like, what if everything, Mm -hmm. you know, gets pushed back a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. And exactly. And it's like, how can I like, okay, if I know it's going to take a little bit longer, like how can I kind of like surprise and delight them? Like, Hey, like you're back from Mariana moon. Like here's a $10 gift card to like, go get some, I don't know. Like there's just like little tiny things that you can do that like make, they go a really long way. 
Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So speaking of client experience, like what is client experience first of all, and how can you kind of make life easier on yourself and better for your clients? Yeah. Defining that as like, how do you want your clients to to like feel? And I think for a lot of us with a lot of things in life, with business stuff, with our goals, with client experience, we have a general idea in our head of what we want it to be, but we haven't really taken the time to like actually write it down on paper. So I feel like for me, client experience is like, how do I want my clients to feel as they're going through this entire journey with me? And like, what does that look like at each experience? So a lot of people do client gifts, right? Like, I think we have kind of broad things. Yeah. But again, it's like really thinking about like the, the smaller details though, like the things that we were just talking about where it's like, okay, I'm not going to front load everything and then send a holiday card at the end. It's more like, okay, really what is week by week, what does this whole experience look like? When am I checking in with them? How am I checking in with them? And also like for a lot of new photographers that are like, I don't, I don't know what works best. It's like, try out a few things and then like ask for feedback and like get some questionnaires as scary as it is to like put yourself out there and be like, how was this process for you? Is there anything you wish maybe there was more of or less of? But for me, I feel like client experience is really defining like, how do I want them to feel and what kinds of touch points work for me? For some people, they might really love hopping on video calls or like phone calls with people. For some others, they may be like, I really don't want to do that. So maybe you just send check-in emails or texts or you know whatever works. That's kind of how we think of client experience as a whole is really just like, how do I want them to feel throughout the process? And like, what does that look like that in a way that's going to still serve me and be comfortable for me. Yeah, totally. I love that. Yeah. I think remembering that maybe you built your business to experience more freedom. And so if you're always kind of thinking like, I can't enjoy myself until every single thing I ever deliver is out there, then that kind of goes against the point of why we started the business in the first place. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's so hard, right? I mean, it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. You build the business because you want to have more free time, but then the more free time you have, the more you fill it, the business stuff. So really just like identifying it. Well, that's where like automations like this can come in handy so much. Cause it's like, again, okay. If I know that it's going to take a little bit of time for X, Y, Z to happen, like, okay, how can I automate this process so that they're still getting check-ins, but I don't always constantly have to be like in it monitoring every single aspect. Honestly, I feel like we spend so much time thinking about our business. Did this get sent? Do I have to do this? Like, what do I need to send out today? And the more that we can just write out a process of, okay, step-by-step, then we can just check it every day. Okay. Yep. Let me send this out. We save that space for making decisions around like other things in our life that actually need decisions, which is a lot of things. Yeah. I think that's such a good point. Like if something's spinning in your brain to automate it, what does your automation process look like? Do you use certain yeah. tools? Are there, do you have like an email chain that goes out in a workflow? Explain it to me like I'm five years old and yes. I've never heard of a workflow. <laughs> like Michael Scott, yeah. <laughs> like explain it to me like I'm eight. Nope, explain it to me like I'm five. Um, so actually I'll be honest with you. So I've been in business now, photography for I think 12 years. It's either 12 or 13, I always forget. But for the longest time, I didn't have automations. I don't know why, I just didn't. I didn't do it. Like, I think like a lot of entrepreneurs, we just kind of avoid it because it seems like a big thing to tackle. So I only just over the last year started putting into place like actual templated automations and I'm still kind of tweaking it because it is a lot, right? Like, especially if it's different for a branding shoot, maybe not quite as much for a wedding. Like that's a long lead up time. Like it's a lot more, you know, information to deliver. So 
not everything is automatically just sent on a timeline, but I at least have the entire process like built out. So I use HoneyBook. So I have like the entire automation built out and I can go into HoneyBook and it'll tell me, okay, you need to do this next for this person. I can look at the email, I can review it, I can tweak it. It allows me to go in and like change things, but I don't have to think about it anymore, which is I think the biggest game changer for me because I don't know, for most of us, it's like we have so, you know, we have so many other things happening and it's just so easy for things to slip. Like weddings just all of a sudden kind of creep up on you and you're like, oh, we're three months out. We're a month out. Did I send this? Did I send this out? So just having those things set up and at least there for me to kind of check through is, has been like really helpful already. Totally. Yeah. I think we start with kind of this limited capacity and realize that in order to take on more clients or grow our business or, you know, scale, if you want to do that, like you have to get some of it out of your brain and into a process that someone else can implement or that an automation software can implement something like that. So, yeah. And I think the hardest part too, is that especially for newer photographers that gets put on the back burner because you're not yet at a place where you have to do it. And you like, it's this backwards thinking of like, oh, once I get busier, I'll do it. But that's not when you want to be focusing on it. And we all know that inherently, but I think this is like a weird one for me because I think these thoughts, what I found for myself to be true is that when I really dig deep in those thoughts, like, okay, the service level is, well, I'm not there yet. So I don't need to implement this. What I'm really telling myself is I am not sure I'm ever going to get there. So I'm not going to take the time and invest the money in doing that because there's this little voice in the back of my head that's, you're barely getting any inquiries. And like, why would you implement that? Right. So it's like surface level. The block is like, oh, well, I'll do it later. The deeper fear is I'm afraid I'm not going to get there. And I don't believe in my business enough to actually say it out loud and be like, I'm going to implement this because like, it takes a certain level of confidence as a business owner to be like, I'm investing in this because I know my business is worth it and I'm worth it. And that like, when we can do that, when we can step into that, that adds a whole nother layer of the things that we start implementing that we're like putting off because we feel like we don't need it. That's so good. Yeah. The, the confidence and the belief and even changing that mindset around to being like, I'm going to treat this business like the business I hope it is in five Mm -hmm. years and not what I see right in front of me. You pave the way for that to actually happen when you start treating it that way. Exactly. Do you enjoy mantras or like positive affirmations? Do you have any that you kind of have used for your own business to help you move forward into that kind of mindset shift? Yeah. So I have gone back and forth. Like I love doing positive affirmations. I have like an affirmation journal. Well, actually there was a on Spotify. I can't think of, it's like a sleep soundtrack, but there's one where it literally repeats like 12 positive affirmations. And I would like listen to it and I would write them out in my journal and it would just kind of like be a nice practice. But I've found the thing that really has made the most impact for me is, and we kind of talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but like the idea of creative visualization to me was a really big game changer because that was actually, I used that before I really knew what creative visualization was. I used it when I wanted to move out to California. And I think it made the biggest difference because again, it made me believe like in my heart of hearts that like this is happening. Cause I feel like it's really nice to like sit down and I love writing. Don't get me wrong. I love writing affirmations. I love mantras. I love meditating. But I think when you can really start to train your brain, believe 
that something is happening for you, like that, I feel like brings the most momentum for me. Yeah. I love that. I love vision boards for that reason. Cause I think it is a tool in helping you visualize that future yes. version of yourself or that future yep. version of your business. It's there might not be anything intrinsically magical and po- like posting a picture that you look at every day, but I do think it just like helps your imagination to take you to that place. Totally. And, and then it like, you feel safer moving into that new place because you've seen it. So mm-hmm. like, talk me through what that looked like your move from Florida to California. What was the visualization process for you? What were some images that you, you know, thought up to help you in that transition? Yeah. So it's really interesting because I wanted to move. So long story short, I'd actually moved out to California after college for a short amount of time, like six months, moved back to Florida. It was really, spoiler, it was really expensive. So I lived in Florida again for like a year and a half with the goal of wanting to go back to California didn't know how it was going to happen. Like didn't have a job that could transfer me like none of that. So I wanted it to happen for like a year and a half, no progress, no nothing. I was like, Oh, I'll save wasn't saving money. Like literally nothing was like happening to get me closer to it. And then, so it was like January of 20, this was 2014. So it was January of 2014, new year. And I was like, all right, something has to change because obviously the things that I've been doing haven't really been working. And so I bought this planner. I always forget Laura Casey, I think is her name, sat down, did it. And like, I kind of got some inspiration from her. It was kind of this idea of like writing out your goals as if it was already here, kind of that whole mindset. And so that kind of started me thinking like, that's one thing I haven't done. Cause every time I thought about moving, I was like, oh, I will like in the future. Like I, I realized that was the one kind of piece that I was missing was like, I didn't actually believe that this was happening like soon. It was always one day. And so I just started to really embrace that. And so every time, I mean, it sounds really silly, but some of the things that I practice, like, so I really didn't like my job at the time, but I would go to work and then on my lunch break, I would watch, this is so silly, but I would either watch, like there was house hunters in California, like Northern California. I would literally watch episodes of that to just put myself in that place. I would also just like Google map apartments in like cities that I wanted to live in. I would literally Google map it. I'd like put music on like my favorite songs and I would Google map and I would imagine, Ooh, like what's this place? How much does it cost? What do the layouts look like? Like I would literally let myself just like start to like think about it. I would go to the grocery store after work. I'd put music. A lot of it was like music based. I'm very like music oriented. So I would put on my favorite songs. I'd walk around the grocery store. I would imagine myself, Oh, I'm in California. What am I making for dinner? Little tiny things that when added up over time made such a big difference because over the course of like a few weeks of doing this every single day, you know, got to a point where like, I would take my dogs to the dog park. I'd meet like a random person. They'd be like, Oh, you know, what do you do? And I'd be like, Oh, I'm a photographer. I'm moving to California. They'd be like, Oh, wow. That's cool. And I'd be like, yeah. And I could so confidently talk about it. Cause it's some random person that, you know, I'm never going to see them again. So it's, it like helped me start to actually believe I'm speaking this into existence. Like this is happening. I'm going to do it. I'm a little bit woo woo. So for anyone who's a little bit woo, they'd be like, Oh, that connects with me for anyone else. Who's like, cool. But like, what did you do? I think what that allowed me to do all of those mindset shifts is that when I was looking at apartments, how much does it cost? Oh, okay. Like this is how much I'd need to be making. Okay. What types of jobs should I be looking for? Okay. Like what's my salary need to be when I'm having calls with recruiters, what do I need to be looking for? So 
it was the mindset things, but the mindset allowed me to then take the practical steps that I needed to actually make it happen. So I would come home, I'd work on my resume, I would submit it to different jobs, you know, and I felt clarity around, okay, well, this is kind of where I would like to live. So I'm going to look at jobs in this area. Cause I think a lot of the times when these big, scary things, we're just like, well, we want it, but we don't really know, like, what do we do? And I think doing all the creative visualization helped me figure out, okay, well, what do I actually need to be doing in order to make it a reality? Because literally I practiced that starting in January. And then in April, I got the job offer and I started in July. So it was like within six months, I had moved there when I had been wanting it for a year and a half. And, and it's not just because all of a sudden everything aligned. I mean, I do think things worked out of course, but I finally was taking the steps that I needed to take in order to actually make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. And I love visualization. I love manifestation, but I love it because it actually is tied in with psychology and neuroscience. Mm -hmm. And when you start imagining those things, you're inspired to take the actions Mm -hmm. that get you to the place you want to be. Whereas if you don't, it doesn't, it just feels very disconnected. Yeah. That's a thing that maybe will happen in the future, but not right now, you know? Totally. It's like the same as when we think about, we were talking about earlier, like, where do I want my business to be? What do I want my business to like? It's like future you oftentimes feels like this whole other person. They feel like really disconnected because you're not allowing yourself to start doing the things that that future you would do. So there's like this disconnect and it's like all about bridging that gap in a lot of these ways. If you're feeling burned out or stuck in your creative business, we want to invite you to join our self-paced business coaching course, Danger School. It's full of audio and video lessons, plus a workbook, templates, and coaching examples and assignments. So you can break out of pricing plateaus, reignite your joy in your business, and bring in financial abundance. Our clients have been able to double and triple their revenue, create more space in their personal lives, land dream projects, get major features, and give back to their communities. You can download and listen to these lessons on your phone just like this podcast. And we have lots of clients who go back to certain sections again and again when they need to break out of a rut. You can find this course and all of our coaching offerings at dangerschool.com. Now back to our episode. Yeah. Do you find that to be the same with making a certain amount of money or raising your prices? Do you find that some of those same behavior modification type things or visualization that that helps you with making like a scary business move? It does. And I think, and again, kind of coming back to like, for example, photographers are like, I want to like get into more of a luxury market and like higher end clients and higher pricing. I think it really does come back to allowing yourself to start thinking about that because you'll also start to realize like sometimes we get so consumed in it being in the future. We like start to feel like, Oh, I'm not there yet. It's going to take so long to get me there. We kind of live in this space of like, it's not going to happen for me. Whereas when we start to really allow ourselves to think that like, no, this is happening. This is happening now. Again, it opens up our brain to like, look at things differently. Like, am I talking about this in a way that makes sense for people who are like more higher end? Am I marketing myself at the higher end venues or am I showing 
lower end venues and not connecting, it's like you start to realize all of these things that maybe you're just missing. But I think it starts with that. You have to have belief that you can actually do it because otherwise you'll live in that space of like, oh, I'm never going to get there. Like they're just not booking me. Like I'll never be able to do it. But I think when you, when you open that up for yourself, you start to, again, like take that inspired action. Yeah. Yeah. I agree so much. And imagining yourself, it's this worthiness activity of like, you're imagining yourself worthy of that project Mm -hmm. or that wedding or that business that you dream of, not kind of like putting people that might be farther ahead in your business on a pedestal, but more being like, what if I'm on that same pedestal too, you know, or what if we are more on the same page than I think? Yeah. Like what if they're just a normal person just like me? (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah. Like they're just normal. I'm just normal. We can both do that thing that Mm -hmm. I see and wish that I had, you know, and instead of kind of having it be this separate thing. Absolutely. Was there like an aha moment that that happened for you? Was there a time where you did like maybe struggle more with comparison or having a hard time watching other people in their business? And then like, how has that changed for you if it has? Yeah. Well, I'll be honest. When I moved to California, that was so difficult because I – came from Florida where, I mean, I never shot at the beach, but anyone who like shoots at the beach knows it is beautiful. It is. It's also really difficult. So like, that's really the only thing in Florida that's like naturally beautiful is beaches. But even that is like really difficult to get like the timing and the lighting and all that. Right. Most everything else, the places I shot, I had to get really creative with finding good light. It might be in like a random, like side street. And I'm like, Oh, this light looks so good. And then you put them there. And then like, that's all you notice. Right. And then I moved to California and I was like, Oh my God, everything is beautiful. Like the scenery is beautiful. The lighting is beautiful. And I got so overwhelmed because I was now shooting these venues where it's like everywhere you look, like I had this overwhelm of where do I do portraits? Like I could literally I feel like I need to capture the whole property or else they're going to be upset. Like, so it actually took a really long time. Cause I was looking at all of these amazing California photographers. I was also like into film. I wasn't yet shooting film yet, but I was, you know, looking at all these film photographers and just thinking, man, I'm never going to be like, I don't know how they do this. And I think, you know, with experience, it helped, but I will say that because I didn't practice these worthiness activities, these mindset activities nearly as much as I should have, I did not raise my price. Like I raised my prices a lot when I moved to California because I realized that like the pricing I was at in Florida is bare minimum when I moved to California. And I didn't raise them for like a year and a half probably because I was still so in shock of how much I had to jump in the first place that like mentally I wasn't there. And so I think that like it did help the more experience that I had But also, again, I needed to understand that just because I hadn't shot at those places yet, that it didn't mean that I wasn't capable of doing it. And I didn't really practice enough of that, I don't think. Yeah, that makes makes total sense. I'd love to hear other things that you did to build your business back in a new state because that was not a small move. Yeah. Couldn't maybe necessarily travel back and forth a ton. What were some of the things that you found really helpful that helped you rebuild in a new market? Yeah. Well, I think one thing, and this is, this was still pretty early on. So like, I mean, Instagram was not what it is today. Like Pinterest was not what it is today. So I 
was not afraid. Like I literally was like on Craigslist. The first thing I shot in California was an engagement party at this hotel, you know, and they were like, I found them through Craigslist or reach out to them and I ended up getting it. And I wasn't afraid to like ask for things or to like look for opportunities to shoot or even just like create my own opportunities to shoot. Even if it wasn't like, I wasn't going out and planning these like grand styled shoots for myself, but I would just like think of like, can I take a couple details and like get a really nice like backdrop? Like I just let myself start to get really creative because I mean, when you move to a new spot, you have nothing to shoot. <laughs> so you're either like, you know, just shooting details by yourself or like going to venues and just like shooting the property. I think we have a lot of opportunity now that maybe I wish I would have had back then, but really back then I was just like putting myself out there looking in Facebook groups whenever someone would need a photographer, even if it was like shooting for free in the beginning, I was like, just even to get like experience of places and things like that. And I know people have different feelings of shooting for free, but kind of my mindset around it is like, if you're getting like a testimonial or really beautiful content or shooting in a place that you want to shoot at, like you are technically not getting paid, but you are getting marketing content and like things that you can use. So I just wasn't afraid to kind of like put myself out there and, you know, like the engagement party, for example, like I didn't shoot that for free. That was like an actual client. But when I would offer to people, Hey, you know, can I take some photos of you? Like, you know, complimentary, do like a free engagement session, whatever. So yeah, I think I just, I wasn't afraid of doing that. And I think now there's so many things that we can do, right? Like there's so much opportunity. I waited so long to get on the SEO train. I like kick myself for that every day, but there's so many things that you can do like with SEO, going out and shooting at places that you want to shoot at. There's a lot of opportunity there, but I think the TLDR kind of to wrap that up is like, I just wasn't afraid to put myself out there and just like go for it. Yeah. So many people are afraid to put themselves out there because it's really scary getting a no, but that building that momentum, especially at the beginning, or really it's, I think it's cyclical. Like every few years, you kind of have to get out and do some of those momentum building activities again. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just like, you have to a little bit, let your ego go. And you also have to be like, how am I imagining this being? Cause I, I think about this for destination photographers all the time. People are like, I dream of being hired to shoot in France or whatever. I'm like, people probably won't until you already go to France Mm -hmm. and start shooting there, you know? So you have to start creating your own opportunities. So I love that you said that. Yeah. A lot of it is just you getting creative and creating the work and the opportunities Mm -hmm. that you wanted. So yeah, if you want to, you know, shoot more weddings in France or do things in France, you don't necessarily have to constantly be going back and have all of this different content and all this stuff. It's like simply just go there take photos of venues to like, you can do so many blog posts. One of the conversations that I had with a one-on-one client who's about to move, basically they're moving out of California, but they want to still be able to shoot in California and some of the places they've never shot at before. So I'm like, well, why not take day trips out to these places? And then you can build all this content. Like for example, you want to shoot more in Carmel. Okay. What are people Googling that are having wedding weekends in Carmel? Like what are the best places to have rehearsal dinners. Like what are the best things to do on a Carmel vacation? Like there are so many opportunities to like put yourself in that location. It's just, we have to like think outside of the box of like, it doesn't just have to be a wedding styled shoot. And like, that's the only way that I'm going to get people. We really have to like open ourselves up to just like having more content in that space. Yeah. And making one thing 
go a few different places. You, like you said, yeah. like going and doing a shoot and being like, this could be this, mm-hmm. it could be this, you know, and like recreating what you already have instead of feeling like you have to just do constantly do so going much. back and do all this stuff. Yeah. And even yeah. if you're only bringing your own little details, right? Like, I mean, it's like, do what you can. I think that's the biggest thing is because a lot of times what happens is if we can't go big, we're just not going to do it at all. Like, oh, I can't do a whole style shoot, but like, who's to say that you can't bring like small details and photograph it at a venue and then tag the venue and share. Like there's so many ways that you can still kind of get the point across without necessarily having like an entire big thing for, especially for destination stuff. Totally. Okay. Random question. What's something random or something that you did to create work that you were excited about? Like what's the weirdest thing you've done to get photography work? Yeah. So I know for me, when I actually, when I first started shooting film, I had only shot it for like personal use. I hadn't really done a session because I was terrified to actually like shoot film at a session. So because it was around the holidays, a good friend of mine and her husband, she was actually pregnant at the time. They have a house near Lake Tahoe. And I made a weekend for myself so that I could go up and do like a maternity session for them. But like I told them, it's literally just going to be like a couple of rolls of film. Like I'm, I just mostly want to do this. So I can like know if I know how to shoot it. And it was so funny though, because I didn't take into account again, I'm from Florida. I wasn't even thinking it was literally like 20 degrees it was like snowing and here I am like shooting film and then I had to change the film rolls my fingers were like numb and I'm sitting here and I'm like all thumbs trying to like get the film out and like do the film and you know I wanted to shoot in Tahoe but I didn't have a reason to otherwise be in Tahoe. And that was kind of a long drive to like get people to go there. So I was like, well, if you're already going to be around there, I'll just like make a weekend for myself. And, you know, just so I can like show that I know how to shoot in other places and shoot film. So uh, that was kind of a random thing that I did. The film came back. Okay. And I was like, all right, well, at least I know that I can get my lighting done on film. (laughs) So that kind of helped me feel a little bit more confident to actually like bring it to a session, like actually shoot it properly. Totally. I love that. Yeah, I can't even count how many times I've figured out how to be in a place so that I could have an opportunity. <laughs> yes. Like, oh yeah, I'm totally oh, yeah. going to be, oh, I'm gonna be gonna there be that week. <laughs> oh yeah. That's actually how I got my, well, not how I got my job, but when I was moving to California and I would talk to people, I didn't tell them, I didn't have my address on my resume. And they'd be like, oh, you know, are you available on this day? Yeah, I'm totally, yeah, I can be there. And in my head, I'm like, well, I guess I'll just book a last minute trip, which is like not cheap. But in my head, it was like, I would just take whatever opportunity I could to like, yep, I'm going to be there. It just so happens. Yeah. And I think when you have that vision and that belief that I, you know, this will work out in the future, then it gives you that confidence to be like, this is a yeah. stepping stone towards this goal that I'm working towards. Totally. I'd love to hear, do you have any stories to yourself? Like one that sticks out for like random stuff that you've done? Um, yeah, I pitched a really big project to a nonprofit. It included like doing photos in four different countries over a month and also pitched some different brands to sponsor the trip. I drove down to Atlanta to meet with these people to be like, Hey, I have this idea. What do you think? And they liked me and I went on this whole month thing and stayed with people all over oh South gosh. America and then pitched like Lara Bar. I was like, hey, <laughs> well, this is kind of funny. But I was like, hey, do you want to sponsor this trip? If you, you know, send some Lara Bars or whatever, I'll take pictures of them, all the places that we go. We were in the like rainforest and I had this huge bag of Lara Bars that I was trying to get content of and give to people. And like 
they're under my bed and they got infested with ants. So there's like ants everywhere. And like, so anyway, I did get pictures of the larva or I had to throw them out with all the ants, but I do. I just like, you know, it's what you're talking about of just, you know what you want. And people aren't going to hand you those opportunities. You have to go for them. And that's, that's the hardest part. I think like when you think about awards, when you think about opportunities, when you think about all this stuff, it's like, what we don't realize is that people are on the other side, just like confident enough in themselves to pitch them for it. Like it's very rare. Like there are some people who at this point will get people that will reach out to them to do things, but so many, like so 99% of everybody else, it's like you're pitching yourself for opportunities. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And once you do that, they do come in more naturally Yeah, once you built some momentum, but like I think there's also, it's so fun being in those scrappy seasons because Mm -hmm. you're like, I didn't realize I had so much power over my my future. (laughs) I had so much opportunity too. It's like, we, we really don't understand like how much opportunity and how much power we have in our business. Like, I think we spend so much of our time just like not feeling like we have that, but when you can really confidently step into that, man, like you can literally do like pitch yourself for any opportunity, like the craziest things will happen. And I've also found too, like when I was here, when I first moved, I connected with this girl in a Facebook group. She was looking for a photographer for this like full day styled shoot in San Francisco. I don't think I was paid. Pretty sure I wasn't paid, but one of those parts of that shoot ended up getting featured in style me pretty. Like I ended up connecting with people that were like the models they weren't really models but like people who were modeling for her and like some of my great friendships grew out from that kind of stuff like it was just these opportunities that I would have never even like known would have presented themselves as these bigger things but because I was just open to being like connecting and like putting myself out there it's like you just never know the opportunities that'll open up for you yeah are there any like secrets that people don't know about pitching or putting yourself out there? Like, do you have to be an extrovert? What's a belief that people have to change in order to be comfortable doing that? Yeah, honestly. And I found this, and I don't know if you'll feel the same way. Like, I think I'm a lot more comfortable and I feel more comfortable because I have a podcast and because I have had people pitch to be on the podcast. And what I realize is that One, again, I think that we limit ourselves. I even do this too. Like I have people that I want to pitch to be on my podcast and I'm like, oh, they would never want to talk to me. Like, why would they want to be on my podcast? And I'm like, I realize that I'm the one getting in my own way. They'll probably actually be really excited. Again, I think kind of a lot of the fear comes back to, we start thinking about ourselves a lot, that fear of like, I'm going to put myself out there. They're going to say, no, what do I do? If you go out there and you with like the right heart of I've done my research, like for whatever opportunity it is, like, I know I've done my research. I've spent my time. Like, I know how I can be of service to you or your audience, or like, I know what I can bring to the table. You know, I love this and this and this about your brand, your mission, whatever it is. Like when we stop thinking about ourselves so much and we really start thinking about the other person, I feel like that makes a world of difference. And you're still going to hear no sometimes. And like, that's okay. I actually had someone come on to talk about PR and she mentioned how it's like so easy to do. You just create a Gmail account of someone who's like in your company. That's not you, but like it is you. So like you can have Molly is your PR person. Who's like really you, but like Molly reaches out on your behalf to do all of your pitching opportunities. And that way, when it comes back as a no, you like 
it doesn't hurt (laughs) quite as much. Right. Yeah. But there's just, there's so much opportunity. We we get in our own way a lot of the time. I love that. Yeah. The phrase, we think people are thinking about us a lot more than they are. They're really thinking about themselves. Yeah. They're really thinking about themselves. (laughs) Yeah. And I love that you mentioned the research part too, of like, if you know you're a good fit for something, you know, Mm -hmm. you've done your research. Have you ever had a pitch come to you that you were like, this is off base or this is someone that hasn't even like taken any time to, you know, what does that look like? You can tell when it's just so generic or like, like the podcast, for example, it's like, they're only talking about, here's this person, here's their, here's their title or their degrees or like, here's the things they've spoken about. Like, here's the things they offer. Like literally the entire email is about like them. And you're just like, okay, that's great. (laughs) But I've also had people even pitch where it's like super health. All the things they're talking about are health focused. And I'm like, have you even listened to my podcast? (laughs) Like what is happening? So I think it really goes such a long way and it doesn't have to be, cause I think we get really overwhelmed too with like, oh, how much research do I have to do? But again, it's like finding the ones that are really in alignment with like something that you'd want to do and just do a little bit of like throw in a couple lines, like talk about the episodes you've listened to talk about how you can like best serve them and their audience based on their mission. Like that's going to go a long way. And also I think making it really easy for them to like do a little bit of research on the person. Cause like, I've even had some people email me with like no links and I'm just like, do you have an Instagram? Do you have a, what? I don't even know who this person is. So like making it really easy for people. That's so good. Yeah. Making it easy, doing some of that legwork for them. Cause most of the time people just want to know that you're going to be fun to be around, that you're going to be a good fit with the work that they're doing, that you're going to bring something to the table and, and it's not so intimidating. So if someone is listening to this and they feel frustrated, they're just like, I can't get enough clients. I am feel like I'm spinning my wheels, but things just aren't consistent. What's one or two pieces of advice that you would give to that person to start kind of like building their own momentum in their business? Mm-hmm. I'd say the first one, and this is kind of a little bit of tough love for them, but I think the first thing is really get clear about like what you're actually doing and spending time on in your business. Cause I do think a lot of the times we do feel like we're spinning our wheels and we do feel like we're being really productive, but we realize that the things that we're working on are maybe not the most effective for our goals and the things that we have. So yes, you might be spending a lot of time on edits and client galleries and email and all of that, but it's like, how much time are you really putting into like adding value, connecting with your audience, just making friends on Instagram, putting yourself out there, like not just making reels and creating stories, but like making genuine connections with people and just like getting your name out there. So it's kind of like my first piece of advice, which I know can be a little bit hard, especially for introverts. I am an Enneagram nine. I will stay on my couch wrapped in a blanket, like not talk to anybody. So I know that it's hard, but you know, it doesn't mean you necessarily have to go out to in-person events. Like if Instagram feels more comfortable for you, just find new people and connect with them and like make more connections in that way that are real. And then I would say the second thing to do is like really just like get clear on like one thing, because there are so many ways that we can grow our business. Like you can use Instagram, you can use SEO and blogging, you can use Pinterest. There's so many different avenues. And I think we can start to feel really overwhelmed. And we try to like kind of hop on all of the things, get clear 
first on the one platform you want to get started on and like really just decide to go all in and take chances and not be afraid if like things flop. I'm going to hop on Instagram. I'm going to do reels. I'm going to accept that some of my reels might get like two views and I'm going to keep showing up and I'm going to keep doing it. Just allow yourself to have those moments that like kind of feel like failures, but just kind of get clarity on like, I'm not going to stretch myself so thin. I'm just going to let myself play and have fun and try things out and just see where it takes me. Yeah. I love that. I think it's easy to have the shiny object syndrome and be like, yeah. Oh, I have that all the time. Yeah. Me too. (laughs) It's literally my life. (laughs) Me too. Still. I'm like, Ooh, Facebook ads. Ooh, this thing. And I'm like, why do I keep doing these things? Actually had to, I really had to clamp down on that. Like, or even over the last year, cause it was like as new parts of my business branch as the podcast, as all the stuff I'm like, Oh, I'm like, okay. But like, come back to like one thing, (laughs) like, let's not go crazy. Totally. Totally. Yeah. My executive assistant, she has to be like, Kristen, stop it. (laughs) Yeah. We all need someone who can kind of help us stay in our And honestly, getting a coach was a really big thing for me because it at least allowed me to, when I had all these ideas, I had to talk about them out loud with someone and realize like, maybe I'm overcomplicating this. And usually I am overcomplicating it. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's a big deal in coaching too, is like focus. Let's focus on this one thing. Yeah. Well, how can people find you on the internet? You have a podcast, you're on Instagram. Where can people find you? We will link to all of that in the show notes. And what can they expect from kind of connecting with you? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. It's at krista.marie.photography and um, post a lot of photo stuff there. We'll post some coaching stuff there. Like you can kind of find me there is my main spot. I also have a free masterclass. So it's called planning for profit. And basically we talk about three main aspects of building your business and it's the mindset, the financial and business strategies. And so if that's something that you're like, okay, I feel like I need to at least like dive into a little bit more I'll share the link and you can share the link to that. It's a free masterclass. I go really in depth. I think it's like 90 minutes. So just sit down with your favorite drink and like join me for that. But yeah, you can mostly find me on Instagram. I'm going to do my website, kristamarielynch.com as well. So you can see all my photo stuff, coaching stuff there and all of that. Oh, and my podcast. Yeah. So my podcast is She Calls Her Shots. She Calls Her Shots. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the Dangerous Creatives podcast and for sharing all of your experience and your knowledge. We're just so grateful to have you here today. Yes. So thank thanks. you, Kristen. This was so great. This episode was produced and edited by the lovely Jen Madigan Creative. Music for this episode was written and recorded by Jamie Lono and Shami D. Thanks for being part of our Dangerous Creatives podcast community, and we'll see you again next time.